0: This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast, part of the Demcast family of podcasts. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. This week, we turn the microphone over to guest host Dr. Shukri Olo. She is a community organizer who is running for King County Council in District 5, and she has convened a panel of young candidates to talk about the challenges, advantages, and especially the imperatives of getting more young people into office. That is next.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you all so much for tuning in. My name is Dr. Shukri Olo and I will be our facilitator with these incredible young candidates who are running for their respective positions in across our incredible King County. I want to introduce some of the candidates, but first I want to thank the Indivisible podcast team for hosting us and for allowing us this space to share more about our experiences as younger candidates. Some of us are uh, kind of at the cut off, uh, and I will not name name here here. Um, but excited for this conversation, I want to have folks introduce themselves and then uh, so tell us who you are, the position that you're running for, and what are your campaign priorities. Three minutes each, and I will start with Carmen Rivera.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you, Shukri. I'm very happy to be here. I appreciate it. My name is Carmen Rivera. I go by she, her pronouns. I'm running for Renton City Council, position two. And I guess since we're, you know, the young people, I'm um, I guess I'll out myself, I'm 32 years old. I was born, raised, and written in Washington. And I've seen a lot happen in our region during that time. And one of the reasons I'm running is because. I, w- I believe Renton really needs somebody with a social services perspective, somebody that has worked with marginalized and vulnerable populations doing direct service for both, which I've done for both the state and the county, at the table, helping making the decisions that are being made. One of my top priorities is updating Renton's community needs assessment for human services and funding human services. That assessment hasn't been updated since 2014. And out of our half a billion dollar budget, The city of Brenton only allocated 1.5 million to human services in the most recent 2021 budget that was passed. So those, you know, under coming from social services, I understand that we need to fund them robustly, wraparound services in particular, that being mental health, chemical dependency, and always the missing workforce development, which goes into my second priority. I want to see Brenton becoming capital for apprenticeship utilization and apprenticeship opportunities. We are the home to RTC and a new a nonprofit located in downtown Renton that helps people get into, the, into pre-apprenticeship programs. And so I want to work with organizations like that, as well as unions. I'm the only candidate in my race endorsed by multiple unions, including ML King Labor, the Northwest Carpenters Union, and the Aerospace and Machinists um, from, that represent Boeing. And so I want to work with all of these amazing organizations so we can really uplift apprenticeship utilization and workforce development and give people the skills that they need to be successful. The trades are something that's really highly underutilized and I wanna see Renton develop its own training center for the trades. Third and my last priority of addressing the increasing cost of living in the city of Renton and the housing crisis. We have some of the most undeveloped residentially zoned land in all of King County. So where the growth is gonna continue to happen, it's gonna happen here in Renton. What that means is we have land that's open to be developed. And we need to make sure that we are growing strategically. That we're not developing our green spaces or our wetlands or spaces that need to be preserved. That we are developing affordable housing, investing more public housing, low-income housing is also very important. But we also have to be creative with multifamily housing and missing middle housing for those who want to start families. Renton is a, a beautifully diverse place. We need to make sure that we are appealing to everybody and not we're not falling into the same mistakes of gentrification as other cities have. And we need to make sure that we take care of our own, especially our seniors who are needing to age in place and ensuring that they are able to afford to live here. And so those are the top three things that I want to try to get done my first term if I have the privilege of being elected to rent city council.
1: Many of us have no doubt that you will get elected to that position. You killed it in the primary, Carmen. Again, folks, this is a conversation with younger candidates. Our intention is to daylight some of the experiences and challenges that younger candidates face, especially during a global pandemic, an ongoing pandemic of racism uh, and the toll you know that this process takes on the, the mental health of many of these younger candidates. We'll get to those uh, questions later on, but I wanna shift next to Paul. Paul, who are you? What position are you running for, and what are your priorities?
3: Yeah, thank you so much, Shukri. Um, so yeah, okay. my name is Paul Charbonneau. I use uh, he/him pronouns. I'm 24 years old, and I'm running for Newcastle City Council, um, Little Gem in King County, uh, neighbors to the north of Renton. And you know, I'm running because personally, for me, just I I love this public service work. I was the 17-year-old going out to speak at Renton City Hall on behalf of Renton School District teachers. I was a 19-year-old president of my college staying up till 1 a.m. nerding out about securing funding for textbooks for students. And, you know, I love doing this work. Um, I had a a point in my life where I started to struggle with my own mental health. Um, I was president of my college. I was a college football player. I was um, a college track athlete as well. And I, you know, I had a lot of pressure from all those things happening at once. Um, I started to struggle with panic attacks and uh, attempted to take my own life, and I got in that process got rejected from our healthcare system. And since then I've done a lot of work with mental health advocacy. I've worked with the national Alliance on mental illness, um, with the largest mental health nonprofit in the country. I, uh, sit on the board for uh NAMI Eastside. I work for NAMI in South King County. Um, I've managed campaigns. Uh, I coach wrestling in our schools, uh, down at Hazen high school. Um, and I'm involved with the community. I've seen a lot of the work. And I am just so excited to get involved myself. I'm running as the, um, to become the first ever council member in the city of Newcastle that's been raised in our city, which I think is hugely important. The first ever council member that's attended our local schools, which is hugely important. And, you know, I'd be the only council member we have under 40. And I think it's so critical. There are so many, so much change coming to the east side and so many big decisions to be made. I think having a voice at the table that is, you know, under 40 that will advocate and will for young people is critical. You know, I think Carmen spoke to it well, there's a lot of development that's going to happen. And uh, one of my priorities is developing and planning smartly. The other city council members in Newcastle don't know the names of our school board directors. They, um, you know, have very myopic views. They um, were not applying for any money at the state level. And, you know, I've already gone out. I've gotten endorsed by all of the uh, electeds in the 41st district. I'm working with people um, from the city of Bellevue, city of Redmond, trying to work all around and um, you know take a really holistic view to this and, you know, take that, take our city to the next level because um, we've had a really siloed off view, I think, with a lot of things. And I want to expand that. I want to push for that. And I think you need someone young. I think you need someone with energy um, and someone who's going to fight like heck to do that. So that's what I want to do.
1: Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing, Paul. And thank you for also sharing your mental health um, experience as well and for being vulnerable. I think it takes more people talking about it for us to destigmatize this important topic. I want to shift next to Cliff, who is running for city council in the city of Kent, my home city. Cliff, who I'm are your neighbor. you? You are my neighbor. Who are you? Yeah. What position are you running for? And what are your priorities?
4: You know, I remember when I first found out that we actually live right around a corner from each other, and I was like, wow, okay, uh, we definitely have to, like, do some parties together or something, um, so I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for including me. Uh, my name is Cliff Cawthon, and I'm running for Kent State Council, and I'm also 32 years old. Um, yeah, I've been millennial gang, uh, so... <clears throat> The reason why I'm running is because we need better leadership in the city of Kent. We are the most diverse city in the state, with the 10th fastest growing city in the country, according to the 2020 census. And yet we have, you know, I think Paul said best myopic and, you know, Carmen um, also said, uh, also, you know, hinted at some problems that we share in Actually, um, many of the problems are in Renton, we also share in Kent. And there's another element to it as well that there is a deafening silence on major issues, such as on policing, such as on the need for affordable housing and a whole range of housing options, not just for um, you know, high income or high end housing, that the city of Kent, and it's because of that deafening silence around critical issues, particularly the lack of investment in BIPOC communities and a lack of investment in And poor people in human services, that is, and we over prioritize investment in public safety, that the Kent budget right now, when you hear it from the mayor and my opponent on City Council and other City Council members, is, um, you know, does not. Uh, does not over-prioritize public safety. Yet, whenever it comes to any city council meeting, I ask you to, I challenge you to sit through one of those meetings without being disgusted at how blatantly they propagandize funding for police, how blatantly they uh, praise, um, you know, rolling back laws and rolling back efforts to hold police accountable, and how just just. How disturbing it is when you have sitting city council members that will open, be openly hostile to the Black Lives Matter movement into the concerns. And also how distressing it is how our city, despite being, the, again, the most diverse city in the state, how more often than not, our residents are not engaged at all on important matters such as um uh, such as uh, zoning and and growth and development, or even um, the development of, um, particularly development of um, small businesses, and um, I mean there are whole slew of policies. And I actually work in policy on a daily basis. So I come from an organizing background. And uh, right now I'm a political science professor at Bellevue College part-time. And um, my day job is with the Sightline Institute. I'm the pro-housing coalition strategy manager. So I meet with legislators. I meet with um, you know other members of the community to talk about how we can build more housing and how we can advance housing policy at the state level. And that cities that have the mentality like Kent are unfortunately in the way when it comes to uh, passing the kind of policies we need to build more housing. And I mean, I could get into all specifics and look forward to that, but I'm running because we need a change and we need champions. We need people that are going to stand for something rather than simply fall for the status quo. And I, for one, in the years that I've been working in South King County and particularly in Kent have seen the status quo fail our most vulnerable residents again and again and again and demoralize them and I think enough is enough. Beautiful. So that's why I'm running.
1: Thank you so much, Cliff. Um, And we're also excited about your run, especially in a city that I grew up in. I want to introduce myself and tell you a bit more about the position that that I'm running for in our community created priorities. And so my name is Dr. Shukri Olo and like thousands of residents from South King County, I am a proud refugee. My family and I came from the refugee camps of Kenya after spending about six years there following the Somali civil war in 1991, kind of airdropped in the middle of nowhere in the state of Texas in 96. Uh, We're able to find a more welcoming environment in the state of Washington, where we were able to get a section 8 voucher and we took our voucher to the city of kent i grew up in the city of kent i grew up in public housing in the city of kent and often tell people that i am a product of this community and an example really of the possibilities when young people are loved on and loved upon i'm also a mother of two and uh running for dr martin luther king county council district five which covers seven cities in south king county including renton and Kent, and SeaTac, and Tukwila, uh and Burien, and Des Moines, and Normandy Park. And I'm excited to be running for this position because it is time. It is our time. It is a time for young people, for immigrants and refugees, for those of us who've been neglected Uh, in our democratic process to be leading for the time that we're living in. Uh, I believe that this is the time for us to bring lived experience into government, uh, to bring the challenges that we've experienced and some of the solutions that we are impacted by uh, to government and so, You know, often I get this question about, why are you challenging the incumbent, right? And I say that my candidacy is not an indictment on the incumbent, right? This is a democracy. And in a democracy, people need options. And ultimately, they get to decide who better aligns with their values and their vision. And so our uh, campaign platforms are for, including affordable housing, building more affordable housing in our community, abending the legal system toward justice and investing in upstream services for young people, Uh, making sure that we invest in public health and human services, including behavioral health, mental health, and affordable child care, and supporting small business. And this was uh, co-designed with thousands of people from this community, and I've been honored that this message has resonated with sole endorsements from SEIU 775 and 925, an endorsement from 1199, and an endorsement from the King County Democrats, When America Votes, and countless others who know that this is a historic race. And we're also excited about this possibility of electing the first black woman to a county council position in our state's history. And so I will pause there. I want to shift to the second question. I'll start with Paul this time and ask, what are some of the positive experiences that you've had thus far on the campaign trail and what has surprised you the most?
3: Yeah, thanks, Sugar. I mean, so for me, I am such an extrovert. When I get to talk to people and um, the amount of support I've gotten once I've been able to talk to people has been amazing. You know, running as a 24 year old in the city of Newcastle, where our uh, most populated age bracket is 50 to 64, you know, I was concerned at first, quite honestly. Um, when I get out there and I talk to folks, I think they respect it. You know, I think they respect that there's a young man with energy, there's a young man with ideas, there's someone who's well spoken and will tell them the truth and won't, you know, tell them lies about development or I won't we'll tell them lies about taxes we'll tell them like it is and um, who's ready and willing to do the work I have reached folks in Newcastle that tell me they have never had a candidate talk to them it has been so heartwarming and such a roller coaster and a journey of um, you know so many so many emotions um, electeds around the region have been really supportive of me as well I'm incredibly grateful for that um, you know I think the um, most surprising thing for me was that I um, by me going out and door knocking, they they realized that um, you know all these city council candidates in my city where people had there looked been a lot of uh, historical apathy towards local government. Um, they saw that the 24 year old had out fundraised everyone and had out door knocked everyone, and then they started up their game too. Um, they started to I have folks running for other other of the uh, council positions asking me, oh, how do I go door knock? How do I go do this? And I've been you know helping them do that to help reach different voters and help. Um, you know, reach folks. And um, I think, you know, it's, you never know, it's put running for office is putting yourself um, out there quite a bit. So just um, the support I've gotten, I've been incredibly, incredibly grateful for that.
1: Beautiful. Uh, whenever I see Paul's post about the number of steps that he does every day, 17,000, 18,000, 24, I'm like, listen, Paul, I don't even know what that means Um, because right now we're at 10 to 15,000 steps a day. But uh, you are definitely goals. Carmen, the question is, what are some of the positive experiences that you've had thus far on the campaign trail? And what has surprised you the most? Thank you so much. Uh,
2: Some of the positive things that I have experienced is meeting with So many different people in Renton. I have knocked, and I do apologize for the background noise. My beautiful rescue baby Athena puppy. I'm homeless to rescue dogs and a rescue cat. It's a very busy household. Um, Is the meeting of Renton residents? Uh, I've we I've knocked on three thousand doors so far um, in Renton, and just gonna keep just been keeping going. And for me, it's having those moments of connection and conversation and even i think one of my most favorite conversations it was right after the primary i went door knocking the weekend after the primary election and i uh, you know there was no breaks and i met with somebody who had not voted for me and we uh, you know when she opened the door she was very you know she was, had obviously had been a long day it was sunday evening she was tired but she gave me a conversation and she said that I energized her, that you know, by the we talked for maybe oh, maybe fifteen minutes, and by the end of the conversation, her husband had come out, and I had energized her. I had I had it got her excited, you know, you know, even though the candidate she had voted for didn't make it through to the pro, to the general, I had gotten her excited, and you know, I left the she left feeling energized, I left feeling energized, and so it was moments with me with voters and written residents that I am just so thankful for and so appreciative for. And so those have been really positive. I had one woman, and it just almost brought me to tears. But you know, she answered the door with her little girl, and she explained to her daughter, um, you know, what I was doing. You know, she was a very engaged mom. She was like, you know, she's running for city council. You know how kind of like how Kamala Harris ran for vice president. And I just started choking up, like, oh, you did not just compare me. Who? Yeah, I'm not gonna. Mm-hmm, yeah, just like. That. And she was like, do you have any questions for her? And I was like, I, I'll answer all your questions. It's cute as little like kid and it was just I love that I love connecting with people and like that's you know me as a public servant that's what I've done I've always met people where they're at and that's just like that for me has been the greatest. Um what has surprised me the most is how much people are really excited for somebody um come in and like re-energize and come in with like a new perspective and come in from the outside because even though I was born raised here in Renton I'm not following the typical Tactic to get elected, right? It traditionally people in Renton City Council, you know, they join a committee or a commission which is mayor appointed. And they, you know, they earn that trust. They build those relationships. They kind of like have that long plan and then they kind of get chosen or they, they do well enough that they are encouraged to run for Raton city Council or they're appointed to a position when somebody, you know, either retires or steps up. And so I'm not doing it that traditional way. I'm coming as a community member from the outside and I very much think my life and my have, have led here. And this is where I'm supposed to be because I want to serve the city of Renton so desperately, and I because I love it so much. And it's just surprised me the positive outpour of people who really want to see like younger, fresh outside perspectives on the Renton City Council. I was shocked to with uh, the primary results, and I know I worked really, really hard for them. But I'm just so grateful to the residents of Renton because I obviously am do what they want.
1: Beautiful, thank you so much, Carmen. Um, I love that you mentioned this idea of kind of chasing your passion, right? And not looking at that kind of ladder that exists in politics where you have to start at school board and then you might go to city council and potentially run for state or you might get handpicked or tapped to run for a specific position uh, depending on if enough people like you or you're the sort of favorite right like you went for the thing that inspires you that lights that fire in your heart right and you're doing it so well so thanks for sharing Uh, happy to quickly share what has I, I guess surprised me the most which is um, similar to, I think, what Carmen talked about, this idea that you know, just by us running, we've already inspired so many people. Uh, as a Black woman, as a Black Muslim woman, as a Black Muslim refugee woman, as a mother, uh, it is incredibly hard to be doing this, <laughs> to be doing this during multiple pandemics, um, and to be doing, to be challenging an incumbent who has been in politics for 20 years. But I think the thing that grounds me the most uh, is when I see the faces of young people, of children, uh, who uh, share a ethnic and racial identity as I do, who are inspired by this campaign, right? Who uh, it's called that mirror effect, right? You see yourself in someone, and you believe then that you too can do this thing, even if you don't have any specific interests right now, but that at least that there's a potential, that there's a pathway because someone who looks like you did it. Um, and so that I think has been an incredible, uh, positive experience. And uh, surprise I think would be just the the canvas days that we have and the incredible people we get to meet in this district and the people who open their doors and talk about the issues and talk about, you know, being a parent or some of the challenges that they're Uh, impacted by. And I get to build real authentic conversations with people that I would never have met if I was not running, right? And that's just the beauty of it, the context that you make over time and and the relationships that grow from that. So I want to go to Cliff. And Cliff, the question is, what are some of the positive experiences that you've had thus far? And what has surprised you the most?
4: so there's one particular experience that in very early on that uh grounds me um so i was coming i was just starting i just got in my lit and um want this uh car rode up um in the cul-de-sac that my wife and i live in and um i you know the friend of my neighbor's son um, was coming to pick him up and uh, it was a young black dude and, you know, I'm just about to go and I'm like, hey, do you guys know our city council meeting? Uh, Sorry, city council election coming up. And, you know, I'm just starting. So I always, you know, just run up to everyone and tell them, it's like, hey, you know, this is going on and this is what I'm doing. And the first thing out of, uh, I'll never forget Michael, the first thing out of his mouth was, wow, I can't believe you're doing this. I've never seen someone that looks like me and looks like you doing this before here in the city I live in, the city I grew up in. And I hold that with me because guys like me aren't supposed to run. The guys like me become hashtags. We, you know, are over-policed and overly incarcerated. Um, You know, just... Like black and brown folks, uh, you know, particularly black men and black women, still on the earning scale are uh, pretty low down there, um, disproportionately so. Not, you no, know, on by gross, but you know, um, by uh, percentage wise, so on and so forth. So you know, as a black man coming from Buffalo, New York, um, which is definitely not a place of privilege. Um, you know, uh, I, I could I could go into a lot of the dynamics there, but coming out to the West Coast and you know, um seeing those dynamics play out, that motivates me to do something. So when I'm on the doors, I never have a bad day. I've talked to people who are who look nothing like me, who are say, will come to the door and the first thing out of their mouth will say, I'm a Republican. I'm like Okay, cool, cool story, bro. Let's talk. And, um, you know, I literally never had an instance where once we actually talk to one another, they, you know, they, they shut, they don't shut the door on me that I say, hey, I'm your neighbor. And I, this is why I wanna run for city council. This is why my vision for our community and this, you know, and I wanna be there for you. I wanna be a voice for you. I wanna be a voice for your neighbor. I wanna be a voice for the other person down the street. And you know what? That has resonated and that's what gives me hope. That's what keeps me motivated and it's really positive and beautiful. And more importantly, looking at, you know, looking at the change, the, the, the prospect, of what we can do that gives me hope as well so uh yeah and i mean i've been honestly just before i wrap up i'll say this that i've been humbled so radically humbled by the outpouring of support when i got support uh, the endorsement from the King County Labor Council, UOCW, hell, even dual endorsement from the Carpenters recently, endorsements from uh, Senator Mona Das, Representative Deborah Entman, two St. Kent State Council members, Marley Larimer and Salt your car, The list goes on. And how people how even my old boss reached out to me today and said, I'm so proud of you. I wanna I wanna do something for you.
1: Mm-hmm. That
4: that that keeps me going. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Cliff. Um, I actually want to stay on, because uh, the, the question about identity, I want to go there next, because I've heard you talk about being a black man, you know, obviously my identity as a black woman, I think has an influence uh, on this race, good or bad. I want to go to Carmen and ask you, what is the role of identity in campaigns and particularly in your campaign?
2: I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I think representation matters. Representation matters. As someone who was born and raised in this city, uh, I have not seen a lot of queer, Latina or Hispanic women in the role that I'm I'm pursuing or even in leadership positions at all. And I think that really matters to a lot of people because it shows community that we can do it as a queer woman of color, the queer biracial, like Hispanic woman, you know, I, I, I think I've always been underestimated, (laughs) always um, had people make assumptions about me. And, and I always try to invite people with an open heart to have respectful conversations, and you know, to join me for coffee or what have you so they can really learn I'm a whole person, right? I'm more than just my identity, but my identity really influences how I walk in this world and how people respond to me and how I'm treated. And because of that, I have learned, you know, I have, I have to speak up and to speak out very strongly. And I think, you know, because I do that with such passion, you know, that I am from, you know, i come from two very passionate parents that you know when you and when i go on to Puerto Rico like and i see my standard family out there like we're loud people we are loud passionate beautiful people and i want to and i I want that to be understood that it's okay to be emotional it's okay to be passionate it's okay to care and it's not a detriment i have met with you know sitting city council members and you know they are, I can work, I, they want to work together. You know, they, we will work together and it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be incredible. And, you know, they value my lived experience in the queer woman of color, who has also worked in social services in some of our most marginalized communities, especially our youth and our young adults. So for example, school to pipeline. And I can see the city council and the city can really help pick up those kids who fall through the cracks. We're able to do that, and so you know, my heart is in the service, and I, my lived experience of being, you know, who I am, I think only strengthens, and have made me a very stronger person because I've had to prove a lot of people wrong, and so I come prepared every day because, um, unfortunately, there's not a lot of opportunity for people like me to mess up, because when we mess up, and I have, I've messed up. I've made a few mistakes for sure. I've learned a lot on this campaign trail. I learned so much about myself. I learned so much in the last month. And are there a few things I would do differently? Absolutely, absolutely. I'm not a perfect person. I'm an imperfect person for sure. And I will say that I have just been also really humbled and um, I'm gracious. And um, even with that being said, I've learned like we don't get the same mistakes. So I'm learning very quickly.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Carmen. I wanna shift next to Paul. Paul, what is the role of identity in campaigns?
3: Yeah, you know, this is something, you know, I think I think about this a lot to myself, Shikri. I was really fortunate. Um, I got to study as a national public policy fellow at uh, the University of Michigan. And I got to do it with a cohort of people that was 90% people of color. And I've been really fortunate to know a lot of other young people of color that are, you know, as talented or more talented and impressive than I am. And, you know, I, I think about it a lot, you know, I go and I knock on doors. I talk to Republicans like Cliff. I talk to people that are older and, you know, a lot of them. it's, um, you know, regardless, even if they might not lean the same way as me politically, like, oh, this is a fine young man that came to talk to me and had a lot of great energy. Um, you know, but they had that, you know, would they have that same openness if I was a person of color? I don't know. I really don't. And, you know, I have broad shoulders. I have, um, you know a visible scar like if i was you know so a person of color that walked up to them like that would that be the same reception you know would it be even if it wasn't overt would it be you know rather than talking and telling me everything would it be this them taking a flyer and then leaving and you know i think having that perspective is you know trying to think of that as important and trying to associate myself with people of color and learn from them and listen to them and saying you know i don't need to be out there trying to um say what is the best option. Um, You know, I think for me, something I like I talked about in our city was, um, I'd like to see a commission of, for Asian American and Pacific Islander folks, because we're one of the top five most Asian cities in the state. I have not had a single year coaching wrestling at Hazen where at least half of our weight classes, uh, we've always had at least half of our weight classes be Asian American kids. And Newcastle has a history of being a settlement that was built um, literally on Asian American labor. And I put that out there and, you know, my opponent's an Asian man and I had former council members, former mayors that endorsed me that said, Oh, you shouldn't put that out there because your opponent is Asian American. And I looked at them. I was like, that, that's, that's not the point. I'm putting it out there because it, it's important because it's literally our history. And I think, you know, running for this position, I, like Carmen said, someone with social services, you know, I lead support groups and I'm just, I guess so tired. It's so tiring. It sucks so much having to, go and tell people to seek help. And I know telling them to go seek help from a system that is an 80% chance of turning them away. And then they have a chance of getting a traumatic experience even if they're not turned away. And I've done work with so many good people of color and you know, I try to carry it with me and I try to listen and um, you know, I'm showing up right now. I'm here, I'm ready to do the work and I'm ready to work with those people of color. And I think that's the, that's the best I can do.
1: Thank you for doing that great work, uh, Paul. And especially I uh, admire the fact that you kind of highlight you know, your identity, right? And that you want to move in allyship and in solidarity with communities of color. I mean, I think for me, you know, it is um, it is not something that I have to stress on the campaign trail, right? It is visible, my identity. You know, I am a black woman, people see that. I am a Muslim woman. Uh, because I wear hijab, so I'm a visibly Muslim woman, people see that. Um, I don't think they see my (laughs) refugee-ness, but uh, often I'm sure they are thinking that I'm an other person, right? Like, and I've had this experience of being othered growing up in this community over the last 23 years. Uh, But what I do know is that it is important for people like us to run uh, so that we can create the conditions for all of our communities and community members to feel safe right Um, and to create spaces of belonging for all of us so that folks know that we can also run that we can also dream that we can also dare to lead in our communities Uh, and on the real uh, because I think Paul talked about this too is that it is hard (laughs) you know there are days when I'm canvassing by myself and you know I uh, get stuck in the neighborhood that I'm in and I'm using my minivan and I'm like I don't want the perception that I'm you know uh, stalking people or like stalking the neighborhood right like I'm a candidate I am here you know trying to meet voters right but then if I end up getting lost I'm like, oh my god, are people going to call 911 right or are they going to come out and ask me why am I here because they think that I don't belong in that neighborhood and there are days when I've actually had to ask, you know, a white um, peer to canvas with me because I wasn't sure about that specific neighborhood um, and provide that contrast, right? Um, And it's unfortunate, uh, but I also know that in order for these kinds of thoughts to go away in our communities that we have to run, that people have to see as visible, uh, that they have to get that exposure that many folks lack in in this community, and I think that's half of the battle. You know, when they see that we are out here and we are trying to be of service, uh, then I think hopefully with time, uh, more generations, future generations will feel like they too belong uh, in our communities. Uh, Cliff, you talked about this a bit, but could you expand on this idea of you know black men shouldn't be running or? are often not in this position and the role of identity, especially in your campaign.
4: You know, I'll give you an example, um, you know, um, and kind of bring it back around to your question. Um, So, the other day when i was uh putting up signs i uh, had and there was a older um an older woman's unfortunate too because an older um asian woman came onto her lawn and, and was just like staring at me and I'm, I'm wondering like what's going on it was dusk and you know i have a small toyota yaris so i don't know i was like okay maybe it's that i go and put my sign up and still staring at me and you know it's in that moment where it's like I know what this is. You're you probably think I'm out here trying to steal something, or I'm out here trying to do you know do something, and you're observing me to make sure you know that I, I I'm not doing that. And I'm looking I'm looking at myself. I'm like I'm putting up a sign. Like how is how is that me? <laughs> like but, but at the same time you know I've gone through so many um, you know so many neighborhoods where. You know, when I approach people, I'm a six foot one uh, black dude. Like you, you can't miss me, right? Um, well, I think six foot two actually. Um, and you know, I go up to everyone and I always try to have the biggest smile on my face. I'm like, hi, um, you know, not even when I'm tired. I am always hyper friendly because I know the alternative. If I'm like, oh hi, then they might think, oh, is he trying to trying to jump me is he trying to roll up on me what what's happening right and then i automatically have to work my way and there are so many doors i go to where people will not open their screen door hell they'll you know barely uh you know they'll, they'll they'll barely do that so to you know bring it back to um you know to bring it back to you know your original question that it does matter having us out there because Even in 2021, after we had a brilliant black man as president of the United States, that I will approach people and they will see a thug or they will see. And I hate that word. I really do. But that's what some people see me as. I have a master's degree. I'm a homeowner. You know, I I work with young I work with uh, young folks and work on policy all day. And as you know, I can talk for a very long time about that. But um, that's, you know, that's an unfortunate reality. And, Carmen, like you said, you know, we can't we don't get to make mistakes either. Because, hell, when I was, um, you know, in forums I've been in, in addition to being dog-whistled at, I, my opponent literally sat next to me, had her uh, hand in front of my face the entire time while I had the mic, and I was trying to get my words out. And before I could even get my words out on a question on public safety, she immediately said, I would never defund the police. And no one was talking about that. But the implication was like, look at this young black guy next to me. You see, he's bringing Black Lives Matter at Kent, right? Which I am a Black Lives Matter activist, but I didn't say anything about that. But for everyone in that room looking at me, stares of daggers of judgment. So I have to be extra judicious. And anyway, I know I'm a little bit over time, but that, you know, it, identity weighs very heavily. And hell, I even have male privilege in comparison to what I've seen you and um, you know, some of my female counterparts go through as well. Um, but yeah, I can
1: expound on that later, yeah. Thank you so much so, for adding that. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I wanna add something to that because their colorism played a huge role in this. And I'm and like, I was shocked. I'm shocked at some of the like the criticisms and things that have been, been, set, been said about me by um, people in Renton. And I cannot imagine what it can be like for a black woman. I learned today I met with a police officer. I had coffee with a, police, a Renton police officer today and it was a great conversation. And he was a black police officer and he informed me he's the second hired black police officer to Renton Police Department ever. And we've never had a black female police officer on the Renton Police Department ever. Have we had a black female serve on Renton City Council? In our time, I, I, possibly in our history, but frequently, often enough, we, I mean, that is, colorism is a huge issue. And that has to be said. So thank you, Cliff, for adding that, for sharing your perspective. Thank you, Shukri, for running and doing what you're doing. Thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you, uh, Carmen, for expounding. And thank you, Cliff, for sharing that. Yeah, identity is huge. You know, uh, people are not just thinking about the positions that you're running for and the priorities that you're running for and the vision that you have for your communities. They see what you look like, right? And and I think there's often a story that's connected to that. I want to give Cliff 30 seconds just to add something about Don Bennett, who's running for mayor of Kent.
4: Yeah that Dawn has done everything right, has done her due diligence. And I've seen her so many times, people question her education, people question her motives. And for me, hell, in terms of stealing signs, people haven't touched many of my signs, they've stolen a few, but for her, that she's had to deal with so much more scrutiny as a black woman, and yes, There's that element of racism, but I've seen that element of sexism as well, even from, you know, some some double standards, even from support I've had. And it's been really difficult to navigate, but I do want to really elevate her as well because, um, you know, we're running on a ticket, uh, you know, spiritual ticket, whatever you want to call the sorts. But also um, just to, you know, add to this, because like you said, Shukri, it is important that we are, win, lose, or draw, is important that we are here in changing the dynamics, especially in South King County, which is the crucible of diversity in our region. And that has to be uh, that has to be uh, in not just words, but also in policy and investments and uh, that cultural change.
1: Yeah. And, you know, change takes time. And I think uh, people over time will see what's been happening in South King County, especially in this year, right, with so many incredible candidates, you know, Edis Guzman, who's running in SeaTac and Uh, jake simpson and uh you know joe todd and renton carmen's uh soon to be colleague on the Renton city council and just incredible candidates all around i I want to actually shift to the final question and i'll combine that with uh the sacrifice that i think younger candidates make which is specifically around mental health and so the final question for you all candidates and i'll start with paul is uh, how are you taking care of yourself just knowing how incredibly hard this process is. I see your grind uh, every day. I see you, but how are you taking care of yourself?
3: Yeah, thank you. Sheree. I mean, I'll speak to the sacrifice a little bit. It's, man, it's hard. I think I'm so thankful to be in the position I'm in and I've worked so hard to get here. And, um, you know, I think it, you know, I think one thing I wanna highlight, I think you um, your younger candidates were not as far along in our careers. Um, not that I'm doing, you know, a bad job at my work. I, you know, I think I'm doing doing a decent job, but it's, you know, it's not, there are trade-offs you're gonna face campaigning with your job as well. Um, you're not retired from a long career. You're not sitting there with a lot of disposable income. Um, that's a trade-off you have to, you have to face. Um, you know, I have worked really hard to try and maintain my mental health, especially as someone who's a mental health advocate, you know, statewide and nationally and so much. Um, You know, it's silly sometimes it's literally just uh, get, you know, iced coffee and a protein bar and just like tell like, sit in my car for a second and like tell myself like, I got this, I can do this, just keep going out. um, Keep working. Um, You know, you have to build a lot of resiliency. And I think resiliency, as a young candidate, especially Um, I had I've had folks, I've had a sitting council member in his 60s, and a woman who's um a leader who's 70 who's a leader of an anti-tax organization in our city harassed me over email directly um and bully me and try to tell me i'm inexperienced and tell me all the things my opponent did at my age and you know that can that can make someone mad in the moment but i sit there it's you know they're they're scared and that reflects more on them than it reflects on me and they're they're they're, they're sending me something because they realize i'm doing something and I was working so hard. I get so much energy from going to talk to people that I literally will work out every day anyway, and then go walk all those steps to talk to people, and then I'll have to go walk afterwards to decompress because I am so. Um, this is just such a labor of love and such a process, um, and then I'll end up, you know, sleeping a lot and just being exhausted. But it's a good thing, and I'm thankful to be here and just trying to take care of my mental health through events and all the energy you can get from other people and carrying that forward um, and trying to you know bring the city of newcastle to the table because we're not at the table in so many things and i've seen it so much and i'm the only one that's showing up and it's organizations won't even talk to me because i'm from the city of newcastle and i'm going to change that um it's going to take time but i'm here right now so i think that i think i've been uh, nagging enough uh, at least for that
1: thank you so much paul I do believe you will change that uh, because too often our cities are very much siloed and we know that's not how change happens. We need to have a regional approach to some of these intersecting issues. And so uh, I appreciate you run in. I wanna shift to Carmen, uh, specifically around the sacrifices that younger candidates make around mental health and how are you taking care of yourself? Or maybe the question really is, are you taking care of yourself? <laughs>
2: I appreciate that. I also appreciate that this is a conversation because growing up, this was not a conversation. We did not talk about mental health until maybe this what, this most recent decade. And so like going through high school and college and graduate school, I burnt the candle at both ends. And I until um, 2020, I always had like two to three jobs. That was just my life. And so now running for city council and I'm a full time professor, criminal justice professor for Seattle University. Um, i you know it's just it's about time management about finding time for self-care <laughs> and um i've grown you know at my age and because you know i used to work um in behavioral health with youth who were incarcerated i'm very familiar with dialectical behavioral therapy and practice and using those practices myself um to take care of myself and my mental health and being aware of when i need a break like and what my breaks are you know i love Going to runs. I love spending time with my dogs and my partner. And you know, yesterday I finally got to go skydiving for the first time in two years. I'm a licensed skydiver, and being mm-hmm. up in the air and jumping out of an airplane, I can tell you right now, is the closest thing for me to being like with God. And I'm not bringing religion into it, but like for me, it's spirit. It's very spiritual. It's a religious experience. I love it, and um, for I'm, I'm just very much at peace now. And everything that's happened because. After the primary, you know, some very negative things came out about my, by, by, about my opponent. About, after the primary, negative things came out about my opponent, and they just blew up on social media, unfortunately. And so then, of course, there were going to be people in his camp who alternatively will now have to make me, or people who support him, I'm going to say people in his camp, because he probably has nothing to do with it, just like I had nothing to do with the stuff that came out about him. Sometimes I think candidates are just the, you know, where are these the public figures and then there are people who are really passionate about supporting us who kind of maybe overstep. Um, and so people who may support him probably felt like they had to make me look just as bad as he did in that moment. Look just as bad as he was looking with all the things that were shared up from this blog, you know, that you know he allegedly typed set, right? And so that's when a lot of rumors and people started taking screenshots from their phones on their computers of my social media, my TikToks and sharing them out of contacts with hundreds of people. I have a sitting city council member, an older person who shared with their entire network inaccurate priorities about my campaign, trying to intentionally harm my campaign, not having a conversation with me at all even though they have my phone number. Um, not having an actual conversation with me at all. And that's the hardest thing, especially up here in the Northwest, people talk more about each other than they talk to each other. And I'm somebody who's very, very um, blunt. And I will say that I will always have a conversation with anybody. And so to say like people having all these conversations behind your back about you, about your campaign, trying to create a narrative or falsities, that's the hardest on my mental health. And that's been the most difficulty of being essentially bullied by, you know, some people from, you know, I would say older, more conservative Renton, who does not believe in progress or does not believe in the kind of progress that we would like to see. So it's been unfortunate, but thankfully due to skydiving and this community and this conversation, I'm able to um, take care of myself and I so appreciate it. So thank you all for just sharing space with me.
1: Beautiful. I'll respond to it and then I'll turn to Cliff briefly and briefly on my end I would say that I am learning to take care of myself um, and probably the only way that I'm doing that right now is walking while canvassing <laughs> I, I think that's self-care no uh, exercise while canvassing I don't know I've begun to sort of add things that don't really have a connection uh to each other but i you know this is a really hard process like i've said countless times i talk about it openly because i know that you know people who look like us who have our lived experiences don't often do this and so it's important to not just highlight the positive right but like bring radical candor and highlight the challenges uh, because this is a hard process but what i do know is that you know there are uh ancestors and Um, you know, family members and my own mother who like endured so much and so I keep reminding myself that, you know, people trying to uh, defame my character or people trying to do this and this, whatever it is that they're doing. Um, cannot touch me because generations before me have gone through much more, right? Like I have the endurance and the strength of people who've gone through so much more and and had the stamina to endure. And so this politics, while for some people, it's like, oh my God, it's the end of the world. I keep reminding myself that it's not, that this is the beginning. Uh, and that just by us going through this process, that we will create a smooth transition uh, in the future for people like us who do run. And so wanna toss it to Cliff. Cliff, how are you taking care of yourself?
4: So, you know, it's been a learning process to learn to take care of myself and to remind myself of the love and support that I have. And my wife has been invaluable in that. She actually grew up in Kent, and, you know, she um, has really been my rock. But beyond that, it's remembering that I am both standing, and I'm both standing on the shoulders of giants, and I am carrying my ancestors who have carried me, and who, you know, I carry them on my back. I carry them on my back and I remember um, the stories of them encountering vicious racism and violence and uh, being demeaned and being uh, told that they can't, it, they can't do these things, that they can't lead, that they can not uh, do this and that uh, you know, throughout their lives. And yet they endured and got me to this point. So with the power and the platform I have, I remember that responsibility. With that power, I remember that responsibility. And I know that every door I knock, every step I take, every phone call I make, every dollar I fundraise, it's not for me, but it's for Michael. It's for the people living in the apartments around the corner from me who are never going to have their doors knocked on by my opponent, nor the mayor, nor other, say, sitting council members. For people like yourself, Shukri, who came to this country to create a better life and who deserve dignity and love. Yet at the same time, or, you know, when you're younger, often, you know, criminalized and ignored. Because still today, that people that look like you and me and Carmen and even Paul who I've known who have been ignored and who have suffered the worst for it. So I'm not doing this for me, I'm doing this for them. And I only have the privilege of being able to walk the walk, being able to be in amazing venues just such as this and being able to really fight the fight and you know, really holding that privilege and knowing that privilege close to me that's what that's what holds me up in the darkest and most difficult of times. That and also, um, I'm a comic book collector, I'm a huge nerd. So some yeah. days I'll just bring out all of my long boxes and yeah, and I'll, I'll just read. I'll just be on my floor just reading.
1: Beautiful, uh, I didn't want to out you there and say that on the record that click <laughs> But yes, here's here's to nerds. Friends, thank you all so much for watching. Uh, Thank you to Paul, who's running for Newcastle uh, City Council. Thank you to Cliff, who's running for Kent City Council. Thank you to Carmen, who's running for Renton City Council. Um, This has been a powerful conversation. I hope you all enjoyed it. My hope is that this is a series of a conversation, right? That the next set of candidates are younger candidates, black and brown candidates who are running across our great county. Uh, to share more about their story, right? And their lived experiences and to daylight. What happens when candidates like us run? I hope you continue to stay engaged. I hope you support these incredible candidates. Thank you to Steph, uh, Stephen for um, allowing the platform to happen and for the Indivisible podcast team for giving us the space and the time. Take care.
0: And that'll do it for this week. A huge thank you to Max Meserve for editing both the audio and video this week. Thanks also to Dr. Shukri Olo, Carmen Rivera, Cliff Cawthon, and Paul Charbonneau. If you would like to see the video version of this or any of our shows, head over to facebook.com slash indivisible podcast. The email address for the show is indivisiblepodcast at And you can find us on Twitter at indivisible Special thanks to Lori Caldwell. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.